Ladies, here is Lenore Zan, a.k.a. Rogue. It's Cal Dodd here, voice of Wolverine from X-Men, the animated series, Bub. I want you to join me at The Uncanny Experience, the ultimate destination for X-Men fans just like you. Where you will become a mutant student at Xavier's. And be able to explore the school campus, shop the vendor hall, and meet the creators and stars of the X-Men universe. There'll be panels, parties, immersive activities all throughout the historic mansion. Whether you're a fan of the comics or the movies or the animated series, you'll find something to love. This is Chris Claremont. I'm looking forward to seeing you all at the Uncanny Experience. It's going to be one hell of a ride, Bob. I bet it will be uncanny. Get your tickets now, sugar, at the uncannyexperience.com. Bum bum bottom, 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 bum bum you are now in session with the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast. I'm Lisa Gullickson. I'm Brad Gullickson. And each month we evaluate a different iconic romance within the four-color realm. In this episode, we're protecting beloved characters and uncovering our hidden talents with Shannon and Luke Lieberman, the caretakers of the Red Sonia brand. With this episode, we begin our San Diego Comic-Con coverage, our celebration. You can't hear it in your headphones, people, but I'm just doing kick in the air. I'm doing kicks, kicks, kicks. I'm so excited. Just she was literally bills. doing it. She's like, you can't hear it. So just dead silence, dead podcast <laughs> silence as I bicycle kick the air. Yeah. We are super excited like we always are to go to San Diego Comic-Con. At the same time, we're also extremely uh, stressed and frantic, and we've planned so much this year. This is our first year attending Comic Con as press. Mm -hmm. It's a big deal. We've like, I, 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 I want to spoil. I really want to spoil. But we have nabbed some really rad interviews once we finally get to San Diego Comic Con. But also in the meantime, we've nabbed some really rad interviews that we're gonna launch. Every day while Comic-Con is going on. That means we're going to have an episode on Wednesday. An episode on, what's after Wednesday? Thursday. Thursday. Friday. Saturday. Sunday. Comic Book Couples Counseling Creator Conversations. All celebrating San Diego Comic-Con. A lot of them have happened. Some of them have not. I feel like I'm on the hit television streaming show Loki. There is just <laughs> all of these possibilities sprouting out of these moments. We're looking in the past. We're looking in the future. It's all exciting. Yes, so we have Luke and Shannon talking about their really unique relationship with the Red Sonia character this week. And then later this week, we're going to have Tyler Crook talking about the Lonesome Hunters, the Wolf Child. He's coming back onto the podcast. And Lisa, Monday, we're dropping something new, something we've never done before, a new kind of show on our Patreon feed would you like to tell the folks what it is? Because we did announce it in our Sandman episode last week, but maybe yeah, not we everyone listened to our Sandman 70 episode. We don't hold it against you. So uh, let the folks let the folks know what's going on. This is our clear Pepsi. We're rebranding. <laughs> we're using a familiar and beloved name, but we're changing it up, making it completely different. But this time... It's really going to work. I'm like, clear Pepsi. <laughs> well, so that <laughs> Wait, wasn't the announcement. The announcement is. <laughs> You're saying we're doing clear Pepsi and people are like, uh, I don't want clear Pepsi. From it's, a metaphor, it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. Excuse me. Well, what is our clear Pepsi? Our clear Pepsi. Now it's going to be a simile. Our clear Pepsi is we're rejiggering our married to singles Patreon episodes and we are inviting thirds into our marriage. So um, we invited, we're going to be, should I explain what it is or should I explain what's coming up? I think you should explain what it is first. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna invite amazing personalities, creators, other podcasters, 
comics journalist. Possibly a wrestling referee. Perhaps. We're going to invite them on to these episodes. They are only required to do one thing, and that is bring one of their all-time favorite single issues that they are just busting to talk about. Lisa and I love the single issue. We, we do. You know, like, as a package. As a package. You know, 22 pages to tell the perfect story. And and everyone has a different idea of what a great single issue is. And what a great issue accomplishes. Yes. And so for our first episode, our pilot episode, which we are dropping next Monday in the Patreon, Daniel Warren Johnson has selected the nom number nine from Marvel Comics from 1987, the nom number nine. Why did Daniel Warren Johnson pick the nom number nine? You're going to have to join our Patreon to find out just $1. Mm-hmm. Or you can buy an annual subscription for $12. And actually, you get a discount, so it's like $11. So for $11 a year or $1 a month, you get to jump in on this new series, which we're calling, as Lisa said, Married to Singles, a rebrand of our old Married to Singles concept. And yeah, like we've had this conversation already and it was great. It was super great. And you know what a control freak I am? I come <laughs> in with like, okay, I call them my questions, but really they are is like discussion points of all of the things that I want to talk about. And the great thing about bringing someone else into our little love nest is that that sense of control is taken from me. Right. The conversation goes in directions that the Gullicksons cannot go alone. <laughs> right, yeah, I mean, Daniel Warren Johnson brings a very different perspective to this type of conversation, and his love of the nom number nine won't necessarily match our love of the nom number nine, which we did not have until we read it, but then when we read it, we fell in love with what uh, Doug Murray and Mike Golden were doing with that series. We went ahead and read the first 12 issues. We freaking just adore that comic this book. Is never, this never would have been a comic I chose no, for myself. No, And I'm so glad that I read it. And I'm going to at least read through issue 13 before the uh, team that created the nom changes. Yeah, and so Lisa comes in with all her like hit points about this book, what she wants to talk about. But... Daniel Warren Johnson has a whole different set of hit points and the way that those hit points is that his hit points even a thing, but the way that those hit points collide into each other, it creates a conversation that's really uh, fascinating. And yeah, it's over an hour. We talked for over an hour about the nom number nine. These episodes might not necessarily always be over an hour, <laughs> but what they will bring to the table is a fresh new perspective that we can apply to these single issues that we've either never read before or never would have chosen for ourselves or read before, but not through the lens of our beautiful and wonderful and generous guests. And already they've become really interesting gateways for us of discovery. And that's what we're, that's what, that's why we do this podcast, yeah. right? We, we want to find new comics. We want to discover new characters. And this was like a real revelation for us. And we've already talked to several other creators who are excited to join this concept. And I think, I think all comic book couples counseling listeners will want in on this uh, this new bold venture uh, that we are putting out starting Monday. Yes. So the plan going forward after our Monday Monday pilot goes gangbusters right. on the internet. Yes, yes, yes. Um, our plan is to do two of these episodes a month. Yes. With all kinds of different people. Yes. And um, we're excited. We're, we're excited. Really, really excited. Buckle up. And then on Tuesday, the plan is to drop our final Mark and Eve counseling session episode. We can't leave them hanging. We can't leave them hanging. While we're chilling no, in San no, Diego. No. And Lisa, as of this moment, has completed all of Invincible. Lisa, how do you feel? I know all of the things now. Yeah. And how does it make you feel? Um, different. Different, different, different. Yeah, like, um... <laughs> was it what you were... Oh, no, 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 It no, was no. not what I was okay, expecting. Okay, okay. It just wasn't. And I'm gonna, I'm just gonna lay that out there. Very excited to record that conversation. And then, like we said, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, episode every day. Yeah. It's really exciting. What we're hoping to do with these episodes is just bring some of that SDCC excitement into everyone's lives. If you can't make it out to San Diego Comic-Con this year... That's okay. We're going to keep you company while you're folding laundry or perhaps you're at the gym, maybe driving around. The con goes on on Comic Book Couples Counseling. Exactly. And then if you are at San Diego Comic Con, 
Maybe you're in line and you've already talked to all of your line mates and they're sick of you. Just put your headphones in and we'll keep you company. We love you. Maybe that line they're in, Lisa, is for the comics journalism looking at panels beyond the page. A panel, Lisa, that you're actually on your first San Diego Comic-Con panel, Lisa. How do you feel about that? I am so nervous. <laughs> I am like, I, like, I'm trying to anticipate everything I could possibly have to say. <laughs> That's all I'm doing is catastrophantasizing about it, but I'm really excited and I'm super flattered to be invited onto that panel. And all I ask is if you go to that panel when they say Lisa Gullickson from Comic Book Couples Counseling, could you just go like something like a woo? I'll do it. I'll Will do you it. do that? I'll do that for you. I'll do a little woo. It's in room 24 ABC on Thursday, the first day at 4.30 p.m. goes to 5.30 p.m. Can I just read the panel description? Why not? How do you cover comics and multimedia? How do you build a community around comics writing? In this annual look at comics journalism, panelists talk about moving into podcasts, YouTube, TikTok, and beyond, and how the medium changes coverage. They'll also talk about comics, the big stories of the show, and anything else that you want them to. The mic is open. Join Heidi McDonald from The Beat, Jimmy Aquino from Comic News Insider, Lisa Gellickson, Comic Book Couples Counseling, Woo! Brett Schenker, Graphic Policy, Avery Kaplan, the Beat and Chris Arant, Popverse, and others for all the tea. I have to bring my tea. You gotta bring some tea, Lisa. I'm gonna bring sleepy time tea because I'm probably <laughs> gonna need to calm down. Uh, I'm very proud that, that Comic Book Couples Counseling has is on a panel. <laughs> I'm very proud that Lisa is representing Comic Book Couples Counseling on that panel. I'm, I'm very proud that I'm gonna get one of those cards with my name on it. That was my next sentence is I'm not at all jealous about that. <laughs> not at all jealous about that. But I have one from WonderCon, and that's pretty cool, too. <laughs> that is pretty cool, Brad. You're going to be on the next SDCC panel. Uh, no, a win for Lisa is a win for Brad. That's a win right. for Brad is Rising a win for Lisa. Rising tides raises all ships. And, you know, when we got married, I did take your name. So half of your name <laughs> is that's on right, that card. That's right. So Red Sonia is also having a panel at San Diego Comic-Con. It will be occurring on Friday, July 21st at 11.30 a.m. in room 5AB. It's celebrating the 50th anniversary of the character. Uh, Red Sony's got a lot going on right now. They've got a movie coming up. Mm -hmm. Gail Simone has a new novel. They're relaunching the Red Sonia series with a new number one written by Torin Gronbeck and with art by uh, ooh, Walter Giovanni. Mm -hmm. So like this could be the year of Red Sonia, a character that I always loved thanks to the Bridget Nielsen film from the 80s and the Roy Thomas comics I always had a soft spot for as well. And it was exciting to talk to Shannon and Luke Lieberman about Red Sonia, but more importantly about their relationship with Red Sonia as caretakers of Red Sonia. Yeah, they like Red Sonia is like their mom and pop shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So whenever you see Red Sonia out in the world doing things, it goes through them. Mm hmm. And that's what this conversation with them is about on Comic Book Couples Counseling. It's a conversation that we've never really had before on the podcast. And with it comes a lot of insight into how these things operate behind the pages, behind the movies, the frames, the panels. There are Shannon and Luke Lieberman. We talk a lot about how these fictional characters do change and shape the world that we live in as if, I'm gonna say something wild, Let's but is it. there, as if they're like people, yes, right? Yes, yes, they're yes, out yes. In, their, in the world functioning. And it's like, to me, the space between fictional characters and the real world changes they as individuals make, like the line between those two things has to be monitored and it is monitored by, in this case, Luke and Shannon Lieberman. It's like wild, it's like um, alchemy, it's like, it's magic. And they're two very creative people. Luke has been on the podcast before. You may remember him from our conversation about the Stanley book alliances that uh, also had Bill Sienkiewicz on the show talking about that as well. He's a writer on several Red Sonia series too. And while she represents the family business, like you said, she also represents the family. She is an extension of their humanity. And 
we really get into that and how that how that works yeah, with yeah. the Liebermans. We also talk a lot about what it is like to be in business with your life partner, with your lover, with the parent of your children. I'm so inspired by Shannon's story because it was like one of those things where like she saw Luke be so involved and so passionate. It really inspired her to go like, there is a way that I can serve this mission. You'll you'll hear it in the conversation, but it's just like, you never know. She's Liam Neeson and Taken. She has her own special set of skills and she applied them in a way that Red Sonia needed. You just never know what your life is preparing you for or to do. Sometimes it's so vulnerable to go into an artistic field. I personally, like I went into music and I had this like expectation that I would be this professional musician, which I am, but like not, not in like, the way that you thought you were. Not yeah. in this huge capacity, but like at the same time, I've every day I discover a new way. The discipline of being a musician has informed informed me to be the person that I am today. All right, all right. Don't go too far into that train of thought because we explore it specifically in the conversation that everyone's about to hear. And it's so special. Yeah, so I, I that, that's that's all you really need to know going into this chat. Uh, please meet us on the other side uh, for the outro and maybe we'll give a few hints about some of those people we'll be talking to during Comic-Con. Maybe, 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 maybe. Maybe not though. Maybe not, maybe but not. still keep listening to the end. You never know. Luke and Shannon, welcome to Comic Book Couples Counseling. Hello. Hi. Hello. Good morning. Oh, good morning. Yes. Uh, it's afternoon for us. Good morning for you. Th thank you for getting up early to talk to us. But my hair is still wet. It's <laughs> afternoon and my hair is still wet. Well, Shannon's hair is done. <laughs> We understand that you have a lot going on with Red Sonia right now. It's going to be a huge year for the Red Sonia franchise. 50th anniversary, a new number one coming out, a new novel from Gail Simone. Uh, we want to talk about possible movie stuff going forward. But before we do any of that, we just want to talk about your origins with the franchise, but also your origins with each other. We want your meet cute. We want your meet cute of each other and your meet cute of Red Sonia. My origins with Sonia go back to like when I was born. Um, my, my father controlled the Conan the Barbarian franchise and the sort of Howard library of characters and did the original deals with Marvel and all that. So I, I grew up, I mean, you know, Sonia was kind of like my sister, so to speak, from another, like growing up. Um, and my exposure to comics was kind of the same thing. Uh, he would just, Marvel would send us a copy of their entire publishing line. So when I was a kid, I got Marvel's publishing line delivered to my house on a monthly basis. What a ridiculous fantasy. <laughs> and like, that was, I mean, I was, you know, it was a lot of X-Men, um, Spider-Man, obviously a lot of like Conan, Red Sonja. And um, so that was that was sort of my exposure to it. Um, my my father also um, he became Stan's attorney when I was in film school. So I met Stan in film school. And then Stan gave me a job after school to come out and work for the company in uh, in California. And a few years after that, uh, Red Sony had actually been dormant because Marvel stopped publishing it in like the mid '90s, uh, the early '90s. So. About 12 years later, in 2004, 2005, I, I picked it up and I relaunched it with uh, Nick Berucci over at Dynamite. And um, it's sort of been developing it ever since. And um, Shannon came into the picture in, what was it, 2009? Does that sound right? And she... Um, well, go ahead, honey. Tell them what you knew about comic books and Red Sonja. <laughs> Were you getting comics shipped to your house as well as a child? No. <laughs> when I went home to like clean out my old room, I found one, like, what was it? Huey Hue DuckTales comic <laughs> yeah. book. That was the only comic book I ever read as a kid. Um, I was so impressed on our first date when he was telling me about everything his dad was involved with and he was involved with. So it was very intriguing to me. And to get me back to his apartment, he asked me if I wanted to come see his comic book collection. Like, nice. sure. I could, and then I went to his apartment, I looked, and he had the Red Sonia comics plastered all over his walls. 
And I was like, just blown away. I had never heard about the character before. I didn't know who Stan Lee was. I know everyone's going to kill me, but I, I didn't. I knew who Spider-Man was and all those great characters. So I was like, wow, the guy who created this, um, it was amazing. You didn't get it until you went to Comic-Con. So yeah, I'm really <laughs> grateful that because I met Luke, I was introduced to this amazing industry and this amazing community, really. Yeah, the first time we, uh, she didn't really, I think, understand who Stan was, sort of like understood he's the guy that was behind Spider-Man and all these other characters, but she didn't really get it until we went, I took her to Comic-Con, and at that point we were, you know, we were kind of part of Stan's entourage rolling around Comic-Con, and that, <laughs> that's when it occurred to her that he's got some juice. <laughs> More than Jews. He was like God. <laughs> Comic-Con. Yeah. Boy, what a treat. I love that uh, when you found out that Luke was interested in, was so involved in comics that you were kind of game for it. Because the cliche is like, oh, when it's time to spawn, you have to put your spawn away like like you have your spawn to spawn comics yeah exactly like you have to like um hide your nerdiness and then kind of sneak it in later and then you just get to brood in your man cave while your partner has an adult life in the living room and like like brad and my relationship also started very similarly where i had read some comics because i had a well-established um nerd boy fetish i did i certainly didn't read comics as a kid and i, I and i started reading them in college Luke, did you ever feel pressure to like go like okay, let's let's put the comics in the closet for a moment and try to date? No, um, it wasn't <laughs> really. I mean, given where I was, I mean, no. I, I was at, at that point. You're talking. Uh, I was a year into law school. I was writing. I think two Red Sonia titles myself, and I was developing the film. And like, it was it's just kind of who I was. Mm -hmm. And also, I don't know. I I, I um, I don't want to. I don't want this to come out wrong, but I never had that much trouble uh, with girls. Oh, right? God. Hide my oh goodness! <laughs> <laughs> well, I felt like it was like that much of an impediment. It all seemed to work itself out. But um, I will say that I with when I was bringing um, Shannon into the comic book world, I didn't want to like put pressure on her to like you know here you have to read, you know. Incredible Hulk 181 or like, here's, here's your, here's your homework. And like, you've got to read these, you know, these following, I mean, I'm doing that with my daughter. Um, yeah. She probably knows more about comics than I do. Yeah. I mean, well, her, I'm giving a classical education as it were. Uh, with uh, Shannon, I just wanted her to have fun and like kind of get into the vibe of it. Thank you. And I knew I had succeeded. I think it was actually, uh, it was actually Battlestar Galactica was like kind of, the thing that really oh yeah broke, broke the Starbuck that was mm -hmm. like that's the thing oh where, my god when she was asking me like when we could watch more Battlestar Galactica that's when I knew that I had succeeded in life and we've run in in <laughs> our town we've run into like every single one yeah. of those Edward James almost oh, we've run see, into yeah. him in two restaurants <laughs> and Trisha Helfner we saw yeah, in another yeah. restaurant. They, yeah. I think they all live in our town. <laughs> I love that. Battlestar Galactica was also one of the first shows that Lisa and I obsessed over as a couple. That that has a, a significant little piece of our uh, relationship origin as well. But Shannon, now you are like a partner in running this Red Sonia machine. Like it's something that you're doing together as a couple. Like when did you transition from like Red Sonia being something that Luke did to Red Sonia being something you did together. That's really sweet of you to be observant enough to ask that question, actually, because Luke, uh, this was always like, to me, it was Luke's thing. And I always told people like, oh, my boyfriend or my fiance or my husband, he does this Red Sonia thing. And so I really wasn't, I didn't think of myself as part of the business until I had my first child, Lila. And I, I had come out to LA to do acting and I had done the whole auditioning thing and booking little roles, not booking a lot of roles. And just, um, it was very fun in your early 20s, but it's really not feasible for once you become a mother because uh, there's a lot of, you know, you have to be home when you have a baby. So um, 
my baby, I had just had this new baby. She was swinging in her swing. I was sitting at my dining room table and I was like, what am I going to do with my life right now? Like, I don't even know. I don't know. Should I just start writing poetry? So I looked across the room while I was having this kind of panic thought. And and what was standing there was this Red Sonia uh, sideshow statue, this yeah. big, gorgeous, like our first statue with sideshow. And and it looked like the, almost like the Statue of Liberty, but comic book version. <laughs> and um, and so I saw that and I said, like, I just had this thought go through my mind. And I said, if they'll make a statue out of that, why not a toothbrush? Why not a shirt? You know, people are buying this gorgeous, expensive statue. Like, why don't I or we blow this S up like Spider-Man or any other, you know, character? I was like, this is a vintage Marvel property. Like, maybe I can get, I can be involved this way and I can have something to do from home that's creative and, you know, run the Instagram account. We're, we weren't on social media at the time. So I started Red Sonia Official on Instagram. And now we have like this whole community of people and a whole bunch of, of merchandise. So I really didn't know what I was doing. I didn't even know a licensing agent was um, a career that you could have in life. Mm -hmm. And I just found out once I started doing it that actually people do that for a living. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, thank you for asking. On Comic Book Couples Counseling, we like to refer to what we call like our love experts, like where we read self-help books and we apply them to the comics and we apply them to ourselves. And one of our previous love experts is Esther Perel. Do you guys know who Esther Perel is? I'm going to confess that I don't, no. but you're going to tell uh, Okay. Well, she's like an, an, an icon in like relationship self-help books. And one of the things she talks about is like, it's really important for a couple to be able to have a shared identity but like also like separate identities and you guys work together you both are champions for red sonia and you're parenting together like how do you balance your separateness with all of that you do as an as a, a power couple I think I can answer this really easily yeah. Luke Luke yeah. is the business brains <laughs> and he is a very strong entertainment attorney uh he i'm more the people person and so i can reach out to people very easily and connect with people and then once it's time to like they want to make to make a deal then i introduce them to to luke so you know i'm just i'm a little bit more gregarious as a person Exci i get very excited as you can tell <laughs> and he's just more all bit more business he's a he's a very sweet guy but he's very business and very much in his head a lot do you want to say anything <laughs> sorry I mean, you know, um, I think there is a kind of, we're up to three kids now, so we're a family of five, and there's a certain kind of melding that goes along, particularly, I think, at this part of the family, because the kids are really young, mm -hmm. so there is a kind of, like, I, I mean, everyone's kind of got their identity in that dynamic, but we are the Liebermans right now, mm -hmm. and, you know, I think when the kids get a bit older, that's when people sort of find a little more divergent paths, you know, when the kids sort of don't need you. Uh, what kind of divergent path are you talking about? <laughs> that, like people start doing their own thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> Go on. No, <laughs> keep, keep digging the hole. <laughs> Why I was so excited to talk to the both of you is that you have a very interesting point of view within the community something that i've never really engaged with before your family is the caretaker of an iconic character right mm -hmm. red sonia and red sonia does occupy in my imagination a pretty large chunk you know i grew up with comics lisa didn't but i did I read those early Marvel comics. The movie, the Bridget Nielsen movie, I watched that thing on repeat. And and w growing up watching that movie, reading those comics, like Red Sonia is like an, a titanic figure in my brain. And here you are 
as the caretaker of that character. And and it's different than, you know, Marvel being the caretaker of Spider-Man or DC being the caretaker of Batman and Superman or whatever. Like what what does it mean for you as a family to watch over the Red Sonia idea? So what I would say is um one I, I kind of grew up, you know, my father was kind of the caretaker of Conan. Mm-hmm. So the idea of it, it it was always and and Sonia's a character that's sort of been in the family, so to speak, since I was really young. So it feels very natural. Sure. You know, I think maybe if I was coming at it from a different angle, it might seem different. But um, you know, you're sort of taking care of. Uh, how do I put it? It's it's um, Sonia's Sonia's almost like a person to me. Mm-hmm. It's like you you know you're like looking after your sister. Right. As opposed to like looking after, you know, an IP. Um, And that's kind of the way we treat it. And that's also the way we, you know, you got to demand that she be treated, you know, when you sort of start thinking about the character as, um, as another sort of, it's not another person, but yeah, kind of, when you start thinking of them as a member of the family, then you're going to take care of them and make sure that they're respected and that, you know, you're promoting them in the best way. That also reflects very much how we feel about comic books and, and comic book characters. And and the idea of, like, you being a guardian of an idea. And that ideas, even though you can't see them, touch them, have, like, this inherent and magical value. And also how comic books inform our lives and shape us as people. Uh, and all art does. And so I'm wondering, like, are there specific things you have learned from Red Sonia, like the character or the idea that you apply to your own life and then apply yeah. to your um, your family life and your marriage? Probably not the marriage so much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was that one time I cosplayed, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, the... No, I mean, I, it definitely comes up in uh, business because I'm also um, I'm I'm an attorney, but I'll, uh, in in dealing even just with protecting the character, there is a kind of inner Sonia that comes out of you. Where you know what I like about Sonia is that you know she's cool with you, so long as you're good people and you're not crossing her. But if someone tries to take advantage, then you know she pulls the sword out and cuts their head off. That is an approach I sort of try to take in business, Mm -hmm. as it were. Um, I think, can I say a little something? (laughs) Sure, go ahead. There were a lot of times um, from from the moment that I kind of started taking Red Sonia in to my heart um, and made it not just Luke's thing, but my thing too, where, you know, life has its ups and downs. And when there's the downs, like I would just think of, we all have an inner red Sonia inside of us. And whether, you know, you've been bullied as a child or abused or anything in this world, this character has come back from the worst of the worst, seen the worst, lost her parents, watched them be slaughtered. And she takes this revenge and she, with humor, kind of, strongly battles life and her demons to overcome. Um, And I just think that there's a lot of that. Red Sonia is a representation of inner strength and about not just having revenge on your enemies in the sense of going and... Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, yes, I, I, yes. I think revenge might be the even kind of the wrong word. It's re- it's re- It's like almost like self-fulfillment revenge where you are taking that you are taking that anger and you're yeah you're taking that anger you're turning it into a ball of fire you're putting it in the fit in the pit of your stomach and you're fueling yourself to move forward in life and to do good things um and get justice that way and i think that's what separates red sonia from other iconic characters right like that's what makes her a little bit different than, you know, the type of justice that Batman is seeking. 
sometimes I wonder though, like I feel like at the instigate like at the start of Red Sonia, it was very much like a male fantasy angle where it's like like about 60 to 80% of the appeal of her is like, ooh, she's like in a bikini. Like, you know, but now we're getting more female voices yeah. behind Red Sonia. And I feel like there there is this um more female empowerment angle. Like, how well, have you seen a recontextualization? Yeah, going yeah. On. How have we seen um Red Sonia well, uh evolve over the years? So when I um when I when I relaunched the character, right? Because as I say, it was dormant. There were sort of the old Marvel days, and and um, I was actually talking to Roy Thomas two days ago about the old Marvel days. And I mean, awesome. he's, he definitely had an intention to create kind of you know someone that was on par with Conan and and whatnot. But you know, also that was the '70s, and today is today. And I just because I looked at her as my sister. Um, that sort of necessarily makes your gaze on the character less sexualized, mm -hmm. I guess, and more just sort of recognizing them as a person. And to me, that's what's the most interesting. I mean, there's only, I, I think the, a character is only going to have so many, so much legs if the most interesting thing about her is, you know, her cup size. Yeah. You right, know, right. Need, in order for the character, I think to have be this strong after 50 years, it's because you've, created some dimension and some dynamic around them. And there was a conscious effort to bring in female writers just because you wanted to have that perspective and particularly uh, Gail and sort of redefining the origin because I didn't really think that the rape origin and the sort of sexual violence made sense for the character. You know, what I, what I said to Gail was like, if we're really gonna keep uh, the rape as part of the origin, you would need to have like a survivor write the story and you would have to spend a lot of time focusing on that element of the story. And I don't think that's really what we want to do. I think it's better to just remove that unnecessary part of the story so that we can focus on the other aspects of the character. Um, and, you know, the thing about it also is everyone, you know, you, Sonia doesn't have such a tight continuity. She's got, she's, there's sort of any, she's sort of an elemental character, <clears throat> And so different creative teams come in and they, and they, they have their own perspectives on the character and I give them some license to sort of do their own sort of versions of it. The same thing with the film, you know, MJ had a, a perspective and it was very sort of respectful of what had come before. And what was important to me because MJ wanted to take some artistic license was that you're nailing the heart of the character. And if the sort of essence and core and heart of the character is there and, you know, that was the same thing with Matilda and I was sort of talking about, I guess, the male gaziness of it. I mean, you know, Matilda's absolutely a stunning um, actress, but she's not like five foot 10 Amazon girl. That's not what she is. She's uh, she's a, it's, it's more of, it's, it's more inside. It's more behind the eyes that you really sort of, understand why we cast her and i and the moment i saw her i wanted to cast her mm -hmm. i fought to cast her uh let's with um let's let them get to that because i think that they're going to get to that organically the well I, I mean i think you did i think you did get to it to us <laughs> uh, you, you know it, it's it's so exciting the uh to imagine the possibility of red sonia returning to the silver screen and what she will do for the conversation around uh, these type of larger than life characters. Um, why is it necessary? I mean, obviously there's a financial reason why it would be a great thing for this movie to be a success, but why is it necessary to bring Red Sonia out of the pages again and into this other medium? Well, it's sort of the biggest, it's the biggest way to tell the story, right? Um, so there's that. Um, there, there's something about the way it comes to life. I mean, it, the first day of uh, shooting, we went out to an old growth forest on the Romanian border. And um, there was this sort of mist in the forest and all these trees were 500 to 1000 years old, these big uh, trees. And it, it, can you stop? it was it was it was uh, it was kind of a magical day. And um, 
you see the actress and the horse and you just sort of see a story start to come to life in a way. And I love publishing, you know, I've done novels we've talked about and graphic novels and comics. And I, I love that. And I love people using their imagination to help realize the story, but there's, there's nothing quite like having a whole group of people that develop a bond because they're all sort of living together for months at a time. Um, using all of their creative energy to manifest a story. Um, it just has a different, it, it has a different magic um, that I think can only really be captured um, in a film. There is something like about like an icon, like an icon character, like that has had so many voices infusing it. Like everyone who touches Red Sonia leaves a piece of their identity there and mm -hmm. and and it adds to her like realness and her personhood and the and the and the actress does that right matilda mm -hmm. does that and when we when we cast when we cast matilda how do you put this you know you everyone wants a good actress and she is a good actress but what you're really kind of looking for is the character i mean when you're casting something like that it's it's almost more about the presence it's almost like when 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 they're not doing their audition and they're just sitting there waiting to do their audition you still feel it right like you can just they've got that kind of they've got the vibe they've got that sort of presence you know i mean the last conan movie with jason momoa you know you can everyone can have their thoughts on it but jason momoa is a great idea for conan right yeah. he's, he's he's got that sort of presence about him and that's what matilda has um and that's that it's that sort of elemental, I mean, I, you know, I have a photograph I took with her where, you know, I'm dressed in street clothes and she's dressed for the movie because we were on set. And it was just, it's so sort of the way that she seems almost like a person out of time, yeah. like that she mm -hmm. like came from another era and it's sort of, it, I, I don't know how to put it mm -hmm. except that uh, Matilda is a very unique human mm -hmm. and it comes across. Um, mm -hmm. And there was a sort of, there's also sort of the question, because she did want to do some research. And obviously I, I pointed her at some stories to read very early on. I had a conversation with her and pointed her at the right stories. But then there's also only so much that they want to research because they want to come at it. Um, they want to, it has to sort of be their own. And they don't, you know, if you give them too many sort of notes on it, then it starts to feel forced. What books did you give her? Like, give, give us some specifics. Uh, I gave her, <laughs> I gave her Omings Run. Hmm. I gave her some of the old uh, short stories from uh, the Marvel days. I gave her um, Gail's books in particular because uh, Anicia was going to be uh, another character. So she needed to read those. I gave her Birth of a She-Devil, which I wrote. Um, that's a good one. I think that's, I think that was, I think that was it. I think that was it. I may have given her Mark Russell's uh, Scorched Earth too. I don't remember. You know, bringing Red Sonia to the big screen is so important because one, this character is larger than life. This is like almost twenty years of anticipation that people have been waiting and waiting and waiting for, um, because they love this character so much. They, it is a character that has to be on the big screen just because of how larger than life she is. Her. You just have to see the the inner turmoil that is going on behind the eyes mm -hmm. and the soul of this character. Matilda and MJ Bassett have humanized this character in a way that we are just forever grateful for. And um, I can't wait to. I, it's a it's a beautiful beautiful film, and uh, it has a lot of heart. And so we're just really excited. Yeah, she, she's she's quite fond of Robbie, the villain, the guy, um, the actor that played the actor that played uh, the actor that played the villain. Um, he also plays Klaus on Umbrella Academy, and he really kind of, you know, she keeps running around saying it's an award-winning performance. It's like we're not going to get Oscars. Uh, Oscar <laughs> Robert yeah. Sheehan, yeah, so we're good. Getting, we're getting Oscars on this movie. You're not getting Oscars. They're both both of them. <laughs> Deserve, I'm going to hand them a freaking painted Oscar. Because <laughs> <laughs> their, their performances, I, coming from an acting background, and when I say that, I mean, I studied up the freaking wazoo. Some, yeah. actors, some actors, 
actors learn through booking from childhood. They're, they go right into it as a child and they book, 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 and they learn from their peers and they learn from just doing it. And some people go to college and then they take classes and they, and that was me. I was the girl that took the classes up the wazoo. I was a theater major. And then I graduated thinking I was going to have this career, but in five years, you know, clock's ticking. I got to have babies and get married. So fat chance. <laughs> and, yeah. and nobody, nobody like warns you of this, like don't go to college, you know? So I'm coming from this, this um, mindset of all the learning that I did and all the work I did in class. Mm-hmm. Um, these actors, they did not act. These actors brought their, brought their truth and they brought their soul. And they are just such magical human beings that what you are seeing on camera, it is truth. Mm-hmm. And it is chilling. It gives you goosebumps all over your body. And yes, you're acting in the circumstances, but it is true. The, the, the emotion, the anger, the just these gut-wrenching performances, it's, it's well, incredible. And we were sort of talking about the heart of uh, the character in other contexts before, but, you know, look, we're not, we don't have Marvel's budgets on these things. Sure. We're not going to have, you know, they're not going to be, our characters are not going to be swimming through a soup of digital effects. Yeah, but do you want that for Red Sonja, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, go on. Go on. Go on. Instead, you know, you have to kind of lean the other direction, both with just the practical effects and, you know, you're in these beautiful sort of forests, which do a lot of, uh, you know, give you a lot of the sort of beauty, but also in that the story is leans into more kind of heart. Mm -hmm. And it, it really, it's more of a heartfelt story than, you know, a guardians of the galaxy 12 i mean sure. that that's sort of the nature of it there is some magic to mm-hmm. having limitations yep you get creative you solve things you know because necessity is the mother of invention yeah. right amen i i saw on your imdb shannon like that you you did groundlings and you you um went to tish and um and i because i also went i went to music school i studied opera and even wow. though I, I do work like in, like I work in music, but it's not like, I'm not like at the Met or anything, but I find like that discipline that I learned at music school, like I apply to like every area of my life. And I'm, I'm and I'm thinking about like studying acting, like pure acting. You're like, you were majoring in empathy and vulnerability and I, and like I I wonder like how that has informed other areas of your work even like your your parenting and and your your doing the marketing thing like I'm sure you are applying those skills to everything that you do. She's applying the empathy right now because she's gonna cry. You are like making me. <laughs> you're making me cry right now. Oh sorry. Like, no, it's so sweet. I can't even believe like you're saying these things. I wasn't expecting it. Sorry, what was the question? I, I, I just, I like, you know. Lisa going has into experienced an, that very much so. Where you, when you enter an area of study and you go like, am I really applying this? And I've discovered like the more I've meditated on what I spent my, like, like I majored in becoming a vessel. And you became of, a master. Yeah, like, I got my got master's, master's degree. degree. You spent a lot of money, <laughs> a lot of time doing this thing. And, and I discovered like when, I, like when my love tank is low, I go like, I wasted that time. But when my love tank is full, I realize I'm applying my operatic attitude to everything that I do. And so like, I go like, you spent this time honing your, your instrument and now you're using your instrument in so many beautiful ways. And like, even like, in the way that you view like what a red Sonia film should be, you know, yeah. like you are using that same skill. It's helping me also to, I do a lot of, well, because we're a partnership. So what I say to Luke, you know, when we're getting ready for bed and we've just watched the dailies, you know, I can sometimes help to influence him when I see something that reads as untrue mm. or we're casting and I see, you know, something that just doesn't, 
feel she was, right. She was very she was very helpful in the casting process. Mm-hmm. We can, or you know, I knew when the actresses were super ner, you know, really mm-hmm. nervous in that final audition. You know, I just I could put myself in their shoes and I could know like what what how to guide like Luke basically mm-hmm. and um and the other great thing about being an actor and this feels really sucky at the time is that you have to have all those odds and ends jobs in the mm-hmm. like while you're in between auditions right so I I was doing a lot of uh sales girl work as at cl- in clothing stores and so what I really learned in between the acting classes was how to be a sales girl unexpectedly. I had to, I had to know everything about a pair of leggings and I had to know, and I had to go up to those, you know, people that would just come in the door and sell those mother bleeping leggings to them yeah. and if my, or my bosses would, you know, have my head if they walked out of the store without a bag. And so I would, I can just, well, it's because it, when you and what I realized is when you love something and you're passionate about something, you can sell it genuinely. Mm-hmm. And so I love this character. I love what she stands for. I see her potential as being someone who can really affect lives. And I help to sell her. Yeah, she the, just to bounce off that, you know, she was uh, she was a little terror around Comic-Con. She used to. <laughs> When she looked at the statue and decided she wanted to merchandise, I mean, she like in one comic, I remember we came home after one comic con, we had like five new licenses that she had gathered up. She like went to Brian Mariotti's, the head of uh, Funko. He was like surrounded by a million people. She just sort of, she just sort of ignored all that and carved her way straight through him, just pitched him on the spot and got us the Funko. You know. I mean, life is so much harder when you are, when you feel like you have to do something you don't want to do. So like yeah. I like I love that you like you found something you're like, oh my goodness, I feel that spark. I am going to go after it. I think that's just so admirable. Thank you. And you as well with the opera. I think that is, I mean, that's like, whoa, in another life, I want to do that for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I also love the idea of retail being such a great education. Lisa and I both met in retail. We met while we were working at Barnes and Noble. I I did 11 years working at Barnes and Noble. And I feel like that was the best education I've ever gotten, including my college education. Uh, There is an extra level of pleasure in selling the creative Mm. and it's something that i adore in my life now that i don't think i could have even fathomed when i was a teenager i'm glad i have her because i'm not i sell salesmanship kind of isn't my bag that's why you it's know, also like the different the, when you're acting you have to sell yourself all the time yeah. right. it's very tiring to uh have those disappointments a lot um and when it's about you so when so when i got to sell and i say sell as in like you know hey let's make a t-shirt this character's great because why and so um it's so much easier to take that pressure of the emotions off of yourself and put it on to somebody who's not real yeah I like I love what um you're saying Luke about how like Shannon takes care of those things that you're not necessarily like you're you're like I'm not I have my strengths but I'm not in like I'm not a marketer like I don't do marketing. The partnership takes it to the next level. Yeah, and I think like oftentimes when I think about like relationships and like when you're in a two-person relationship it's like the the value of having two eyes on the front of your face where it's just like okay the the reason human beings eyes are the shape the way that we see the world is because they're not exactly in the same place they're not exactly the same eye you know what i mean mm-hmm. they're slightly positioned differently so that you can see the world in its fullness and and i think about like you know what are some other ways where you really balance each other as business partners as parents as a married couple so what well, i think what you're uh I, they, just to take the metaphor with the eyes, yeah, it creates depth. Yes, yes. Of having the two eyes is to create depth. Um, how do we balance each other out as parents? Well, I, I guess I'm I'm the one the kids uh, are scared of. 
<laughs> so, I have I have to do that old fashioned thing when your father gets home. <laughs> so as soon as I mention your father, then they then they do whatever I ask. It's amazing. But yeah. they won't tell me. when you when you follow through on when you follow through on punishments when they're young. They that that will that's. That, that pays dividends for years I think years just like your years. deeper voice and the fact that you're tall too. Like. Yeah, it's because they know I'm going to follow through. You, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Mommy can be tough too. Um, <laughs> uh, what else? I mean, I don't know. We, we just sort of also have different, you have different skills and things in life that you can teach a kid. And kids need different things at different moments. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a time when they're going to need some help with their math homework. There's a time when they're going to need some help understanding why this other kid is being mean to them. You know, there's going to come a time when they need to understand the value of work. There's going to come a time when they um, need to understand the value of family. I mean, you know, there, there's just it's it's a, a really holistic process to raise a well-rounded human being. Um, although, frankly, also a lot of parenting when you have multiple kids is keeping them from, you know, killing each other. Mm-hmm. Um they love each. I mean, it's a very tight group, but you know, one of them has a toy. That's that's the toy. The other one, he realizes they always wanted. Yep. You know, <laughs> and just about balancing like each other out. Luke yeah. is the type of person that is just he thinks, 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 and is inside his head all day long. Whether it's about work or whether it's about Red Sonia, any producing, writing, anything that he's working on, he's just living inside of his brain. And so I'm a very outward person. Uh, while I love to meditate too, that there's like a time for that. Luke, there's no like separation. He's just always in his head. And so I'm, I've always had to like make him aware of, um, being like waking up and just seeing what's right in front of him, whether that be a person right in front of him, you know, to, to recognize that they're there and instead of just thinking about your own thoughts all the time. So I think that there's a lot of me just like, wake up, live your life, see, be in the moment, you know? So I'm constantly just keeping him awake and in the moment. Yeah. Ah, love it. Love it. That's beautiful. Uh, you know, it's such a pleasure and a privilege to talk to the caretakers of Red Sonia, to hear your perspective and hear your process. This year is going to be such an epic year for the character. You know, we've mentioned the Gail Simone novel coming out. Torin Grunbeck is doing the new Red Sonia relaunching with number one. Love everything that she writes. So I'm very excited for that book. And yeah, it's it's all building up to this Red Sonia movie. And if I wasn't excited before, which I totally was, <laughs> I'm crazy hyped now. So thank you well, so much I, for taking the time to chat with us. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. This was so wonderful to talk to you. It was so much more than I expected. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You guys are a delight. <laughs> <laughs> Hope to meet you guys in person one day. Yes, yeah. please. Lisa, you made Shannon cry. You know what? I think everybody deserves to be seen and heard, and I was coming from a place of genuine curiosity, and I didn't mean to make her cry, but it felt great. (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering if it feels great. Like, you know, it's happened a couple times where you'll cry on the podcast uh, when we're talking, you know, uh, I don't know, about Invincible, let's say. Yeah. (laughs) Mark and Eve and their uh, tragic relationship and their heroic relationship. And I always get excited where it's like, oh, I got Lisa to cry. It always feels good to get that emotion out. And I was wondering if you you felt the same way when uh, your question brought that out of Shannon. Yeah, like, you know, comic book couples counseling, safe space we don't like we don't want to make anybody cry who doesn't want to share their but emotions. we appreciate when people feel comfortable to yeah. do so and the show for us has always been a vulnerable experience and it's nice to see when people can be vulnerable with us yeah. too and we really appreciate that from shannon and luke in this conversation yeah and i hope everyone listening got some you know like i said some insight into what it means to manage a brand. You know, that word is such a gross word. We often dismiss it as something disgusting. Something disgusting, but also like impersonal. Impersonal, right? You know? Obviously, it's very personal. Red Sonia is a member of the family for Shannon and Luke Lieberman. And they're dedicated to keeping her alive, keeping her legacy alive, keeping what 
Red Sonia stands for. Yeah, alive. their legacy has suddenly gotten wrapped up in Red Sonia's legacy, and you don't really ever explore those kinds of relationships in comics. We don't think about it too often. Yeah. We often, like when we talk Spider-Man, when we talk, I don't know, uh, Batman, you know, the, the people who are managing that brand are uh, a faceless corporation, you know, Marvel and DC Comics. And that's not the case here. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, I'm fascinated by it. I'm just fascinated by it. So our thanks to Shannon and Luke. Again, they are going to be having a panel at the San Diego Comic-Con on Friday, the 50th anniversary of Red Sonia panel. It is packed with interesting people, <laughs> with a lot of uh, rad creators who have touched Red Sonia at some point. That sounds bad, but I don't mean <laughs> it like that. Uh, who have contributed to Red Sonia's legacy. And uh, we're, we're definitely going to make it. We're going to be there watching that panel on that day. And I'm really excited about the new Red Sonia series from Torin Gronbeck. Love her writing. Yes. I've been a big fan of what she's done with Thor recently. And I think she's a perfect fit for Red Sonia. So coming right on the heels of this episode, at the end of this week will be our conversation with Tyler Crook. He is back on the podcast, once again talking about the Lonesome Hunters, but this time talking about The Wolf Child, which comes out Wednesday, issue number one from Dark Horse Comics. Lisa and I had the privilege of reading the entire series, and man, it really ups the game coming off of the first Lonesome Hunters series. Tyler Crook is one of my all-time favorites. I think that he is one of the greats. His art is so inspired and gorgeous. Singular. And his writing is so extremely thoughtful and it's about all of the stuff that I want to talk about. And you'll hear it in, in the interview, but also, it, like, if you haven't read Lonesome Hunters yet, like, get on it. What are you waiting for? It's a favor to you. Yeah. It's a fa it's a gift you can give to yourself reading yeah, Lonesome yeah, Hunters. Yeah, it's one of the great modern comics, in my opinion. And, you know, that first volume is just four issues. And the possibilities beyond those four issues, they, they were vast. But they were so vast, you weren't exactly sure where it could go. Mm -hmm. And then where you get to see it go in The Wolf Child, now, like, a saga is really shaping up. So it's and it's still moving in the grand direction. Yes. But also it narrows into this other storyline you don't even see coming. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, we <laughs> we get on the mic. Tyler has promised to come back after the Wolf Child has wrapped up, so we can do one of those like ultimate conversation. Yeah, because I hate not spoiling everything. Yeah, like, we, I, did, I don't like not asking all of the questions I want to ask because I don't want to ruin things for you guys. Yeah, so um, th there's there's a lot of Tyler Crook in Comic Book Couples Counseling's future. Get excited. And then, again, Monday, the Daniel Warren Johnson episode drops on our Patreon talking about the nom number nine. You do not want to miss it. One dollar only. We make our Patreon really cheap. Maybe too cheap. <laughs> One dollar, the nom number nine, Daniel Warren Johnson, another great master of modern comics. Transformers number one. Oh, could we be also talking about Transformers number one in the near future, Lisa? I'm Is jealous of myself in the future for having read Transformers number one, but me in the future is jealous of me in the past having not read it and mm. is currently anticipating it. Sure it. would be nice to have like a conversation at San Diego Comic-Con with Daniel Warren Johnson about wouldn't Transformers that, 1. Wouldn't that be special? And like, what if like Robert Kirkman joined us for that conversation as well? Yeah, that would, that would be, be really interesting. That would really be pretty interesting. cool. Yep, 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 that yep, would yep, yep, yep. And while we're doing that, uh -huh. um, do doesn't one of our other um, comic book couples counseling friends have a comic book coming out. Yeah, they got, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, yeah collaborating that they're with collaborating someone. with somebody who may or may not have an Academy Award. Yeah. It'd, it'd be, be cool, cool if we got both of those people on. Yeah, that would I don't be know. pretty That'd be interesting. Neat. Pretty interesting. It know. makes me want to reread Penny. Yeah, Penny's a good book. It's Penny's so good. a good book. It's about a cat. It's about a cat. About a cat. Uh, all right, that's done. We're teasing. That's over. <laughs> That's if you over. missed it, that was us teasing. <laughs> and, and that's why neither of us got super lucky in college. I got pretty lucky in college. I got no luck in college. <laughs> Invincible on Tuesday, Mark and Eve, our final counseling session, talking about the end of all things, parts one and two. Lisa has read all of Invincible now. She's a different human being. Yeah. And then other, other cool comic creators, Wednesday. 
Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We leave for San Diego Comic-Con on Tuesday. Uh, and we, we're, we're packing right now after we finish recording this conversation right here. So, so. much laundry to do. Dude, 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 dude. Yes, 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 yes. yes. But we're going to do it. It can all get done. It can all get done. But in the meantime, Brad. Yes. Where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? Uh, you can find me on all social medias. Actually, not all social medias. There's a lot of social medias right now. At Mouthdork on Twitter and Instagram, certainly. Uh, Mouthdork's not quite yet on Hive and Threads and Blue Sky. But you know who is? Comic Book Couples Counseling. Yeah. They're on all the social medias. But find me at Mouthdork. If you have words of affirmation for our logo, you can send them to Aaron Prescott at A Cool Hand Fluke. And if you have some words of affirmation for our radical banner art and show posters, send them to Karen Charm at Karen underscore X-Men fan. Lisa, where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? I am always accepting words of affirmation at Sidewalk Siren on Instagram, Twitter, and Blue Sky. <gasps> Yes, you got that invite. Girl. Yeah, I got it. I got it from CBCC Podcast. <laughs> if you'd like to spend more quality time with us, you can subscribe to us on Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, Google, and Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to get exclusive, mm. you can join our Patreon, what? where you're going to get so much content. <laughs> so. So much so content. Much content. <laughs> There's a blue beetle, uh, blue burger coming out. Maybe we're going to eat that and review it on the Patreon. Lisa. Vactor is insisting upon it. <laughs> it looks so gross. It looks so disgusting. I'm going to eat it, Lisa. That's right. If you'd like to re reach out and touch us electronically. That's my bit. That's my bit. You can bit. email the podcast, cbccpodcast at gmail.com. Get, get off it. You can visit the podcast <laughs> at uh, www.comicbook.com. Oh, my God. You threw me off my game. www.comicbook.com. www.comicbookcouplescounseling.com or follow us on Instagram and Twitter, Blue Sky, Threads, Hi, Facebook, at CBCC Podcast. You can give us the gift of five stars on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to do an act of service, why not write a review of the show while you're there? We are fluid and receptive in all five love languages. It really warms our hearts and helps the pod. Until next time, friends, keep your love tank full. And your psychic Report open. We have so many more intros and outros to record tonight. Yeah, whose fault is that? It's my fault.